Let's pray and we'll ask God to help us. A gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we pray that you will please help us to understand your word now. Help us to grasp all the more the magnificence of what Jesus has done for us. And uh, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> if you've been around here at uh, Chester Presbyterian Church for a while, I'm sure that you've noticed this. Uh, every week, we start exactly the same way. Uh, Paul says, good morning and welcome to Chatswood Presbyterian Church. Uh, the service leader then says something similar. He'll say, welcome to Chatswood Presbyterian Church. In fact, one of our leaders, I think Warren might have done it this morning as well, he says it three times, welcome, welcome, welcome to Chatswood Presbyterian Church. It's a biblical way of saying most welcome. Every week, we welcome you to our church. We welcome you to join with us. What does that mean? What does that mean that we welcome you? Well, according to the dictionary, welcome is used to, and I quote, express a greeting to a guest upon arrival. So it's a greeting, but it's more than just a greeting. It's got a meaning, doesn't it? Uh, and it indicates, it means that you are, and I quote, willingly admitted. Uh, you are, I quote again, received gladly into our companionship. In other words, it shows that we like that you're here. We, we, we want you to be here with us. And here at Chatswood Presbyterian Church, we, we don't just say it every week. We try, we try to back up our words with our actions. We, in fact, employ Marty Cole, who's standing there at the back counting you at the moment. We, he's, uh, <laughs> don't lose count. We have to start all over again. <laughs> <laughs> We employ Marty full-time, one of our staff members, as a welcoming and integration pastor. His entire job is to help new people feel welcome and help them to feel a part of our church. His job is to encourage you to be, I don't want to give away too much of what he's going to say next week, but encourage you to be regular in worshipping with us at church, joining a Bible study and finding ways to serve God among us. Uh, Marty has with him uh, teams of people every Sunday, uh, teams of people who greet you as you arrive, uh, help you if you have any questions, uh, open and close doors for you, um, look after details of your children's allergies and that kind of thing, uh, give you a Bible if you need it, all to make you feel welcome, safe, secure here among us. And, and hopefully this morning you're not just going to be welcomed by people who are on a roster to welcome you. Hopefully, as you come to our church, uh, other people will spontaneously greet you. They'll say g'day. And, and they will welcome you and they will talk to you in, in church uh, and at our potluck lunch a little bit later on. Uh, every couple of months, and, and in fact next Sunday, we have a welcome morning tea for newcomers. A few times a year, we, we run uh, CPC Explored, Chatsworth Presbyterian Church Explored. Again, all all ways to help people feel welcome and integrated here at church. Uh, once people are uh, integrated and have become part of our church, then it becomes the role of our elders and Bible study leaders to help you. That's, that's why it really is vital to make Bible study a priority. Uh, our, our elders, our Bible study leaders, they will welcome you into their homes. They will teach you from God's word week by week. And it's their job to look after you so, so that you continue to feel a welcomed and valued member of our church. It's something we work pretty hard at. We want to welcome you into our church. 
And I think that most of you would agree, in fact, I suspect everyone would agree with this, that that's appropriate. It's good, it's right for you to be welcomed. Most of us take for granted that we ought to be welcome in a church. Most of us take for granted that we, we should be welcome among God's people. We should be welcome to, to worship God and to, to sing and to pray and, and to hear from the Bible as it's read and explained. Most of us take for granted that we should be welcome to serve as part of our church or serve God in other ways. In, in fact, I wonder if over the years, perhaps it just creeps into our thinking that we might even be doing God a favour by showing up at church. We might even be, be, be doing God a favour, doing his people a favour by serving in church. We assume that we're welcome here. Welcome to worship and serve God. But as, as we're going to see in God's word today, our welcome is not something that we should take for granted. Now, in this next section... Uh, the author of Hebrews, he describes worship in the Old Testament. Now, I don't, I don't like to do this, I don't want to undermine your confidence in, in the, the English Bible as we have it, but unfortunately, the, the NIV is just a little bit unhelpful in this passage uh, because the author, he uses one word four times in this passage. Technically, he uses the noun and verb form of one word. It's a very important word, and, and it reveals what the passage is all about. But unfortunately, the NIV translates the word rightly, but translates it three different ways in the passage. So in verses 1 and 9, it translates the word as worship and worshipper. But in verse 6, it translates the same word as ministry. And then in verse 14, uh, it translates the same word as serve. So worship, ministry, serve, it's all the same word. Okay, so keep that in mind as we head, we'll make, make our way through. All right, let's, let's have a look then at the passage. Uh, so the author starts off by introducing two aspects of Old Testament worship. Uh, the, the, the rules or regulations about worship, particularly the worship and service of the priests, and, and then secondly, the earthly sanctuary, the holy place of worship. So the rules of worship and the place of worship. That's what we're looking at. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 1. Have a look with me. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 1. Now, the first covenant had regulations for worship, and also an earthly sanctuary. Rules for worship, earthly sanctuary. And now what the author does, he, he talks first about the earthly sanctuary and then about the rules. So first we're going to talk about the earthly sanctuary. Uh, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, they, they didn't have churches all over the country. They didn't have churches on every corner or in every town or anything like that. No, no. In the Old Testament, there was just one tabernacle, one earthly sanctuary, one tent, or later on in history, a temple, one sanctuary for the whole nation of Israel. Just one place of worship. Uh, this place of worship, it had two rooms. One called the holy place and one called the holy of holies or the most holy place. And, and both of these contained various items that the priests would use in the worship of God. Verse 2. A tabernacle was set up. In its first room with a lampstand and the table with its consecrated bread, this was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. This Ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the Covenant. Above the Ark were the cherubim of the glory, 
statues of angels, overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in detail now. So the author has described uh, the Old Testament place of worship. Now he goes on to describe the rules for worship. Uh, here the NIV translates worship as ministry, the same word. Uh, the, the, the point is this. Only priests can enter the holy place. And with just one exception, no one in the entire world is allowed into the most holy place. Only the high priest, only on the Day of Atonement once a year, and only after a whole heap of animal sacrifices have been offered. That's the rule. Verse 6. When everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. Remember the same word, their worship. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. Okay, so you're getting the picture. One place of worship in the entire country for the Jewish people. And the vast majority of people, they're not allowed in. That's, that's the rule of worship. Now, if you are not Jewish, you certainly were not allowed anywhere near this place. In fact, archaeologists have discovered a couple of signs from the Old Testament temple. We've got pictures of them here. Here's one. And there's the other. They've survived, these two stones. Uh, these signs are directed at non-Jews, and they both say much the same thing. Let me give you a translation. Thanks, uh, thanks, Grace. No foreigner, no non-Jewish person, no foreigner is to enter within the forecourt and the railing around the sanctuary. Whoever is caught will have himself to blame for his subsequent death. Not exactly welcome to church, is it? Can you imagine us putting it up, putting that up at the front door? <laughs> if you're not Jewish, you come to this place of worship, you have no one to blame but yourself for the fact that we will kill you. Uh, even today, although of course it's for very, very different reasons, but even today, if you go to a synagogue today, you're not going to get much of a welcome. I remember a couple of years ago going to synagogue. Um, my cousin's son was having his bar mitzvah. Uh, I arrived at the synagogue with my kids and uh, an attractive young girl around about my son's age approached us with a large gun. She was just out of national service in the Israeli army. What's your business here? She asked. I said, we're here for the bar mitzvah of my cousin's son. Where do you normally go to synagogue? She asked. So I don't normally go to synagogue. Eventually, after some explanation of who we were and how we're related, she allowed us in without shooting us. <laughs> Actually, a couple of months later, um, my, uh, uh, the son of another cousin of mine had his bar mitzvah at the same place, so back we all trooped. Uh, the same girl greeted us. I think she recognised us, but she asked us again, what's your business here? Uh, where do you normally go to synagogue? Uh, to which I replied, being with my kids, telling dad jokes, well, I'm practically a regular here now, aren't I? She didn't laugh. In fact, I'm pretty sure she was itching to use that gun on me right there and then. Anyway, we managed to get in again unscathed. Gentiles, non-Jews, utterly unwelcome. Utterly unwelcome in the Old Testament sanctuary. Enemies of God and of his people. 
But you know, it was even the same for the vast majority of Jews. Only priests, that is only properly qualified men from just one family, just one tribe, the tribe of Levi, only they were allowed in to the outer room, the holy place. And then basically no one at all is allowed into the Holy of Holies. Those are the regulations. Those are the rules for worship. Okay, so the author has described the earthly sanctuary, the place of worship. He's described the regulations, the rules for worship. Now he tells us the reason behind it all. Uh, why did God establish this two-roomed sanctuary? Uh, why, did he, why did he make these rules? Uh, no one's allowed into the Holy of Holies. Answer? To show that people did not yet have access to God. Did you get that? The whole point of this Old Testament system is to show that people are not welcome into the presence of God. The whole point of this system is to show that sinful people are not welcome. God does not want you in his presence. God does not accept your worship. God will not allow you to serve him. Verse 8. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place, the way into the presence of God, had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. And then all the other regulations of worship in the Old Testament, the, the sacrifices and so on, they couldn't allow access to God either because they didn't cleanse the people from the inside. Uh, the author uses the word um, conscience here. He says that they didn't clear the conscience. Uh, commentator Peter O'Brien, he defines meaning of conscience this way, and it's very significant if you were here last week particularly. He says, it's a person's moral faculty by which they can discern right and wrong. In other words... These ceremonies, they couldn't achieve what we saw promised in the New Covenant last week. Do you remember what we saw promised in the New Covenant last week? That God would write his law on people's hearts so they would genuinely know him. He would forgive their wickedness and remember their sin no more. The author says these regulations couldn't do that. They couldn't cleanse you from the inside as we've, as we've symbolised today in baptism, cleansing before God. He says they're just human, just external regulations. He calls them regulations of flesh. They couldn't make people welcome with God. Verse 9. This is an illustration for the present time indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshipper. And there's that same worship word again. They're only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order. All right, you see where we've been so far? The author's talked, through, he's talked us through Old Testament worship, the place of worship, the rules of worship. The big idea, this whole system demonstrates that people cannot be in the presence of God. Sinful people are not welcome to worship or serve God, not as we are. When we think of the Old Testament temple, when we think of the Old Testament tabernacle, we shouldn't think it was anything like a church. It's just... Totally the opposite. It's, it, it was not a place for people to be welcomed. When we think of the Old Testament temple or tabernacle, I reckon we should think of something more like this. Uh, do you recognise this sign? 
I didn't recognise this sign before I uh, prepared for the talk this week, but I'm glad that I recognise it now, in case I ever come near one. Uh, this sign, it, uh, it indicates that you are entering a nuclear zone. Thanks, Grace. Or, put it more accurately. Uh, it's saying, do not enter this zone. Uh, it is a nuclear zone, and if you enter it, you will die a thoroughly unpleasant death. The Old Testament tabernacle, with its Holy of Holies, it functioned a bit like this sign. It said, do not come into the presence of God. If you come into the presence of God, you will die. The, the, the tabernacle where God dwelled, it was more like a nuclear zone than a church. And for sinners, God is more like a nuclear bomb than a loving, welcoming father. That's actually a pretty powerful message, isn't it? In fact, I reckon that is a pretty scary message, don't you? And if that's what you're left with, that's bad, bad news. Uh, but friends, it's not what we're left with, of course. We, we don't have to despair because the author has great news for us. And, and in the light of what we've just seen, it's precious, precious news. Uh, he says the Old Testament worship has been superseded, it's been fulfilled, it, it, it's been, it's been uh, completely changed by the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, firstly, the sanctuary's been superseded because when Jesus came as a high priest, he didn't enter into some tent on earth. No, no, he, he, he went into heaven itself and sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 11. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, is not a part of this creation. Jesus entered the true and ultimate sanctuary, the very presence of God in heaven, and he was able to do that because he offered the true and ultimate sacrifice, a sacrifice that covers the sins of God's people forever, a sacrifice that brings in this new covenant. Jesus offered the sacrifice of himself. By dying on the cross, Jesus offered the sacrifice of himself. Verse 12. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Old Testament priests couldn't do it. Couldn't establish the new covenant. Couldn't change people from the inside. Couldn't cleanse us inside and out but that's exactly what Jesus does as I say like we've symbolised in baptism today Jesus makes us clean before God and so now worship and again here the word used is the same word as in verses 1 to 6 worship is now possible verse 13 blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they're outwardly clean how much more then will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve same word again so that we may worship the living God okay that's as far as we're going today can okay, you see what's here then in this first section of Hebrews chapter 9? Uh, the author's shown us the meaning of, of the Old Testament tabernacle and its worship regulations. The meaning is clear. They show that people are not welcome. Sinful people not welcome to worship or serve God. But Jesus, our high priest, has changed all of that. 
He's offered the sacrifice of himself on the cross. So our sin is now dealt with once and for all. So that the, the curtain of the temple, do you remember this happened when Jesus died? The curtain of the temple torn into access to the holy of holies is now available jesus is risen again seated at the right hand of god as our priest and so now as god's forgiven new covenant people everything is different through jesus we are now welcome we may worship we may serve the living god I grew up in a place called Carlingford, just on the border of North Parramatta. And uh, in, in our house, there were, there were two living areas. Um, as you walk in the front door, you came into a nice little entrance hall. And uh, in front of you was the family room. But then to the right was the lounge room. Uh, my parents wanted to keep the lounge room clean so they could have a place to entertain visitors who showed up on the spot, that kind of thing, without all of the mess and noise created by us kids. And so when we were little... We kids, we were not allowed into the lounge room. I know that sounds like child abuse or something today, doesn't it? But but it seemed to be okay, apparently, back then. We were not allowed into the lounge room. I still remember how I felt about that room. It had this kind of aura about it. (laughs) The the forbidden zone. (laughs) But, you know, I also remember, um, as I grew up, when my parents started to allow me to come in so that I could join in with the adults. I'd have like this reverent silence around the adults. I felt so special, so grown up. It was a real rite of passage. And I have to say what I absolutely loved was being the oldest child. When I was allowed in, my siblings weren't. Um, I think my brother has never gotten over it. But but for me, it was, I felt so privileged, so, so honoured to be there. I wonder, I wonder, is that how we feel about being in God's presence? Is that how we feel about worshipping God? Is that how we feel about serving God? Friends, in Jesus' name, I tell you today that you are most welcome to be here. No matter who you are, we are pleased that you are here. We want you to know the great news of Jesus. We, we long for you to put your faith in Jesus, your, your high priest who offered the sacrifice for your sins. We will continue to welcome you in our words and in our actions. And if you're here this morning and you are relying on Jesus, then in Jesus' name I tell you what God says here is that you are a welcome member of his people. If you are trusting in Jesus, you are welcome not just here among us, but you are welcome into the very presence of God. God, he is pleased to hear your singing, even if it's not in tune. He, he, he is delighted to hear your prayers, whether that be in your thoughts or your words out loud. He, he is willing to allow you to serve him, to serve him in and through this congregation, to serve him in other ways. He's willing to allow you, as a welcomer, to offer the welcome of Christ to his people. He's willing to allow you as as a prayer to bring us all into the presence of God. But I do hope as as we've thought about this passage today that we will never take our welcome for granted. I I hope we'll feel a, a little bit like I felt about being allowed into the lounge room. 
I hope we'll remember that our welcome is not natural. It's not assumed. I hope we'll remember that our welcome has come at great cost. Now, certainly hope, certainly hope that we, we would never, we would never dare to think that we're doing God some kind of a favour by worshipping him or serving him. I mean, that's just so utterly the opposite of reality. As we come together to worship and as we serve God, we need to keep in mind that it is a great privilege, a privilege that comes to us only through the precious sacrifice of our great high priest. So, friends, friends, is that how you think about coming to church? Is that how you think about worshipping? Is that how you think about serving? Do you realise Do you realise that it's a blood bought privilege that's that's a good thing to keep in mind isn't it as we worship as we serve particularly as it gets tough it is a blood bought privilege all right so the old testament shows us we have no natural place with god the great news of the new testament jesus has opened the way and and so i hope you realize the vast significance of what I'm about to say to you when I say to you this one word. Welcome. Let's pray. Gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for our magnificent Lord Jesus Christ, our great high priest who has offered the sacrifice of himself on the cross and is now seated at your right hand as as our priest and who allows us access to you so that we can have the incredible privilege of worshiping the true holy God of serving the true holy God. Lord God, we acknowledge again this is not something that we deserve. It's not something that we have earned. It comes to us only by grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that you help us to have some sense of what a privilege it is to worship and to serve you. We pray it in Jesus' name.